Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good morning, everyone. I hope you can tell <clears throat> my voice is getting back a little bit. So I'm excited uh, because it's been really weird uh, talking. I still every now and then sound like I'm going through puberty again, and my voice raises a couple of octaves. But uh, overall, things are getting back, and that makes me feel good. Today, we have one more small chapter on that controversial subject of sex, but it's different. And that's why I, I said yesterday pretty much we were out of that, because this has to do more with your children. This has to do with the way you talk to your kids. Now, some of you are saying, Troy, we're not married. That's true, and you may not have kids, but you may end up in a leadership position to where this question is presented to you. A different kind of education. Bill Cosby says, sex education may be a good idea in the schools, but I don't believe the kids should be given homework. And I thought that was humorous that Craig put this in here. But he starts off with a story that I think is, is pretty fitting. He says, a dad home from work and parks in the, comes home from work, parks in the driveway, and as he gets out of his car, his beautiful little princess, his eight-year-old Brooke, comes bumbling out to him. Daddy, Daddy. He smiles broadly, stoops down to her level, and swung his arms out wide. Brooke never slowed down, plying right into his embrace. They hugged for a moment, and then he stood up, took her hand, and they walked up the sidewalk together. As they strolled, Brooke looked up into her daddy's eyes innocently and said, Daddy, what's sex? <clears throat> his earth stopped spinning. His mind was reeling. Maybe his wife should be the first one to have this talk. Nope. He did that strong, manly thing and said, I knew this was going to happen someday. I might as well get it out in the open now. So he drew in a long, deep breath. He stopped walking, sitting on the front steps with her next to him. He said, okay, honey, you asked, so here it is. He starts out with how boys and girls are different, how they have different feelings, different shapes. He talks about Adam and Eve. He talks about the virtues of love and courtship and how important it is for mommies and daddies to get married when they know that God wants them to. Oh, he quotes the Song of Solomon, Proverbs. He talks about how eggs get fertile. He talks about the embryo and the real-life baby, the entire complete enchilada of everything that's going on. He really wishes he'd had some diagrams so that Brooke could see what he was talking about, but considering how unexpected their talk was, he seemed it went quite well. Little Brooke sat they're listening carefully, her eyes bright and wide. Finally, when he was done, he said, Honey, I know that was a lot at once. Do you have any questions? Brooke stammered and said, uh, Well, I didn't get all that, Daddy, but I wanted to ask you before. Well, Mommy's in the kitchen, and when you drove up, she told me to come out and tell you dinner would be ready in a few secs. What's a sex? And I thought, That's humorous because that's how dads are. Dads sometimes don't stop to make sure they understand what the youngins are saying. Instead, they jump to those conclusions. And instead of S-E-C-S, they thought it was S-E-X. And I thought, wow. You know, the funny thing about it is most parents today don't realize that by the time they think their kids are old enough to know what sex is or to explain a little bit in detail about the difference of the the boys and the girls, that their kids have already seen stuff on the TV. They've already heard stuff on the radio. They've already seen stuff in school. 
I was in kindergarten the first time a little girl flipped her skirt up at me. And that was in the 60s. So as I look back and I see how things are, and I read Craig's book, it makes me realize how dead on he is. And as businessmen and women, as parents, as leaders, we need to understand normal isn't working. We need to be a little weird. Craig writes this. He says, you want to be completely truthful, but you don't want to tell more than they're ready to hear. You want to tell them enough to inform and protect them, but not enough to awaken their curiosity. And the last thing that you want to do is give them a user's manual with a sense of permission. This is why it's perfectly normal for most parents to avoid the subject entirely. Unfortunately, a variety of usual manuals are already available everywhere. Most parents choose by default to allow complete strangers to inform their kids about sex and to influence how they'll behave with the new information. Whether it's through culture, through school, through television, movies, through advertising, through the Internet, and especially through their friends. Your kids and mine can easily learn details about sex you never heard or even imagined. You know, it's a whole lot different than it was. I mean, the Playboy magazine was out, and then you got the Playgirl magazine. Now you've got everything, and it's all on the Internet. Smartphones can be downloaded and have all kinds of stuff on it. And then we wonder what's going on. It's funny because a lot of times if you're a churchgoer, you hear about how Satan goes to and fro, seeking who he may devour, you know, and and we think he's trying to creep up on us and sneak up on us, and I don't think that's what happens. I think in today's culture, he doesn't have to sneak around at all. He's probably sitting back with a martini in one hand, big stogie on the other, saying, you know, they're doing it to themselves. Now I don't have much work to do. See, now sex has become normal. It's okay to have friends with benefits. It's okay that if you need to to find a roommate and that roommate just happens to be willing, opposite sex or otherwise, and you guys can kind of hook up and no emotional attachment, but you take care of each other's needs and, and while you're out there dating somebody else, it's kind of bizarre. So we wonder what's going on with kids. Craig says there's five lies being pushed on our kids today. Number one, sex is no big deal. It's like eating, sleeping, and breathing. It's just normal. So was teen pregnancy in 2007. As a father of three boys who all had babies out of wedlock, and we raised them in a conservative Christian home. I understand what Craig's trying to say. It's kind of kind of crazy. It's funny how birth control is popular, convenient, and easy to obtain, but yet kids are still getting pregnant. Matter of fact, it's kind of weird even if you're by the time you're 18 to keep your virginity. That's probably a word people are freaking out that I use, saying, "What are you? You know, living in utopia?" I'm just saying that time to be weird number two oral sex doesn't really count it's not like you're doing the ultimate deed even if you do everything but congratulations you're still technically a virgin i mean crying out loud if bill clinton can do it so can anybody 
And I'm not dogging Bill Clinton in this, but think about it. If his age group, our age group, oh, well, oral sex isn't really sex, then why the heck does it have the word sex on it? I mentioned this the other day. Teenage girls are now getting throat cancer, and it's due to this philosophy that oral sex isn't sex. Number three is bisexuality is cool, a tip, open-minded, a great way to double your pleasure. Being sexual with men and women is a great way to explore, figure out what you really are. This is what our kids are being taught. Now think about this for a minute. And don't get dogmatic if you're sitting here saying, well, you, you know, Troy, you're getting down on homosexuality. That's not what this calls about. I'm talking about normalizing something that since the dawn of time, it's been pretty black and white. Number four, porn is just another great way to explore your sexuality. It's perfectly natural and saves you the trouble of having to hook up with one of your friends with benefits. Besides, sex is in, in those films and websites between consenting adults, so it's not hurting, really. Actually, we could go into detail on that, and I could prove otherwise. Of course, the real big lie is, Besides, how are you supposed to learn how to do everything and satisfy your partner? I mean, do you honestly think your parents are actually going to tell you any of this stuff? Number five, modesty is for losers. It's for homely, unpopular kids who don't want to know how to look hot and can't afford the right clothes. Actually, that's not true. Matter of fact, women, I'll tell you something. Most men would rather see a little bit of clothes on their lady it piques the curiosity I got two teenage daughters and it's funny because as we were raising our girls I made it very clear to them if your mom won't wear it you're not going to wear it because I know what Paige wears she's the hottest woman I know and she dresses modestly but yet very beautifully and when it's time not to dress modestly, usually we're in our pool, our backyard, our bedroom, the house. And the girls have learned there's things they can wear around the house, they can wear in the swimming pool, that they aren't going to wear at the beach, that they're not going to wear in public. But these are the lies that we see. They're the lies that we hear. They're the lies that our kids are being told. See, it's, it's it goes back <clears throat> to that, that basic instinct if you tell a lie long enough it becomes the truth to people because they don't know right from wrong they don't know how it used to be they don't know the difference all of a sudden it just becomes the normality it's okay well think about this for a minute if you'll if 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 people are willing to do this with sex then is it any wonder that we see things in business that's just normal? Oh, it was just normal accounting practices what Enron was doing. Oh, it was just normal accounting practices what the savings and loans were doing. Oh, it was okay for the title companies to inflate the actual value of the homes because they that was how they were able to get all the money they needed to live the lifestyle they dreamed of. No, no life transformation, no change, just the lifestyle they dreamed of. See, this is this is the part that's that's big. See, I remember setting. I was in eighth grade, 
And I had one of my friends bring in a magazine that was beyond Playboy. And we were paying him to sell it. I mean, to, to look at it. Eighth grade, I'm paying somebody to sell the magazine. Fast forward to the Marine Corps. I wasn't living for the Lord. I ran the supply. We were out on a mission. We'd go into the PX, buy every men's magazine you could get a hold of, come out, and we would we would tell the guys coming in off the battlefield. Off of, and it was training maneuvers is what it was, but it was the simulation. So we'd say, hey, man, if you all want some good beer, want something to look at, cigarettes. We were selling cigarettes, beer, and porn. You guys didn't know I was in the porn business, but that's what I did in the Marine Corps there. We were renting them the porn out in the field. We could only get into the PX once a week, so we, you know, we didn't want them to take the magazines. So they'd sit around smoking, drinking, flipping through men's magazines. Not condoning the action. I'm telling you how normal it was. It's funny how when you have kids, when you start focusing a little bit, you realize, man, my life was screwed up. funny because when you really focus big when you say okay i want to get this right with my kids then you realize that mind-blowing god-honoring sex begins between your ears not between your legs you start to realize that you know what god's wanting me to do this right i need to be weird i need to be different because normal isn't working we call it ggs great godly sex. Craig writes this, and I think this is powerful. If you want your kids to know the truth about sex, and more specifically, if you want them to know how important it is and how God views sex, then you're going to have to risk being uncomfortable, embarrassed, and afraid. You must step up, tell them the truth that they're so hungry to hear. Otherwise, All they're going to do is accept the crumbs of hearsay and popular opinion and form their own ideas. My mom, bless her heart, used to say, if you can't do it in front of me, then don't be doing it. So I just pictured my mom asleep with a bag over her head. Because that doesn't really work. You have to control the conversation with your kids. And it starts and when they're adolescents. It starts with them understanding what's important about them and, and their 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 secret spots, their treasures, their their mind. It depends on boy or girl, but you've got to take care of that. And there's great stuff out there. It's something for me to do. But as they get older, each each different climb of kids, you've got to explain it to them. And like I said, I've got three boys had kids out of wedlock. Don't look at me as the expert in that aspect because I'm sure the heck not raising two great girls right now that really seem to be focused on living the life the way they're supposed to. Honoring themselves. But I also understand this is the 21st century and at any time if we stop our praying and let our guards down then the emotions and the physicalness can take over. Folks, this is, this is I told you, this is going to be weird. This isn't just the, the normal thing. With, with half of the married population getting divorced, it's hard for kids to even believe anything their parents are saying. 
Don't run around with hookers. Don't go out there after those loosey-gooseys. Find somebody, save yourself for marriage, and then give it to him. I mean, man, if I was a woman, I'd say, that's a bunch of crap. I saved myself for my man. We got married. I gave myself to him. Now he's divorcing me. Or vice versa. I waited. I gave myself to my wife, and now she's out there diddly-bopping anything that walks, and we're getting a divorce. This is a tough subject, no matter where you look at it, no matter what you're doing. And I know I've got critics out there that's going to say, man, you, you just ruined your whole reputation online. You should never have covered these topics. I got the same thing when we did the series on secrets at Menkeep. But sex joins two people together, spiritually and emotionally. Women know this. Men are starting to understand it. It's more than just a physicalness. It's something that's there. And if you end up having sex and getting pregnant, now you have something that's going to last no matter who you end up with, whether it's that father or somebody else. It's a sticky situation. I know. I deal with this. That's why it's so important to me. It's so important that we share our life. Paige is writing three books on a pregnancy crisis center that's based around our life. There's no doubt that sex is as powerful as duct tape. I thought that was a great line that Craig used. When you become physically intimate with another person, it bonds you. It unites you. It's sticky. Then when you end the relationship and go to another person, you've lost some of that stickiness. All of a sudden, it's not the same. I made a comment once, and I had a critic pick up on this. From being in the bail bond business for so many years and bonding call girls and hookers among many other crazy people out of prison or out of jail, rather, excuse me, we learned something. Those that are in the professional sex trade do not kiss their johns. To them, they've given up every other thing out there, but the kissing to them is the most intimate thing because that's what you do with someone you love. It's very unique in the mindset. But it gives us insight to the way women think sometimes that are in those positions. We have to train up our kids right. We have to let them know sex is a huge deal. It's one of the most precious gifts with which we've been entrusted. It's something that was intended to be opened on that wedding night. When you think about it, and the Bible says we're created in God's image as men and women. As our loving Father, He plans to bless us, not to harm us. You can find that in Jeremy or Jeremiah 29.11. You also see it says it's good for man. It wasn't good for man to be alone, so God created woman for man. Not as a sex object, but as a soulmate. He wanted them to become one flesh, so he gave them an intimate act of lovemaking, which symbolizes the covenant relationship between them. It's profoundly a big deal to be joined together, to stick together. This is why whenever <clears throat> I'm in a men's accountability group and we're, and we're focused together, I let men know there's a reason that the scripture says you're to be separate from your wife as you both agree and then you come back together. Satan will dig in. When there is no sexuality in the relationship 
or the sex has been given to somebody else, your relationship will start to crumble no matter how hard you try to keep it together. It's one of those things God just does. It's to be shared. It's to give those moments. It's to help you bond emotionally. Not not just from the physical, but the emotional, the spiritual too. Craig says, everything counts, so tell your kids the truth. Especially the fact that oral sex is sex. We talked about that in the last chapter. Anything that can entice you to move away sexually is wrong. It's immorality. That's a big word. We don't use it much outside of church. But that's what it is. Your body is meant for that one special person. Now, I'm a firm believer. Once you're married, anything goes. As long as you guys are accepting to it and it's not hurting either one of you and it's something you both pray about, agree about, then go for it, okay? I'm not here to tell you this is illegal or that. That isn't what this is about. This is between you and God. I honestly believe that. Your relationship is you, your wife, and God. That's the only way it's supposed to be. But before you're married, if it feels sexually arousing, then it's sex. And if that person you're with isn't your spouse, then theoretically it's a sin. And you can get messed up. Because your mind's going to shift your, by everything. You're not putting God first. This concept that it's okay to experiment, it's no big deal, wrong. It goes back to the mind cannot differentiate from fantasy to reality. So it starts messing with those neurons that freak out the brain anyway. And the next thing you know, you're not you're not sure what's going on. Am I a man? Am I a woman? Am I God? Am I God's creation? Then why did he create me this way? Am I supposed to be with men? Is it okay? I mean, it's so convoluted, it's messed up, and it's way beyond my pay scale. Then we get to porn. It's interesting. The Bible doesn't talk about porn because porn didn't exist. That's one of those things you can sit there and say, well, where the heck did porn come from? See, back in the Bible days, they just had the real thing. It talks about harlots and loose women, men that are having adultery. It doesn't talk about porn. I guess they could say porn's a lazy man's way to sex. Lazy woman's way to sex. It's a substitute, just like many other things in our life. It's kind of crazy. I mean, I don't... It's just weird. But it's sin. Not only that, but porn does degrade the people. To use the concept that it's okay, that's between two consenting adults, isn't really the reality the most of the time. If you study the porn industry, you start to learn that a lot of times sex and drugs, alcohol is involved in all that. And usually the sex comes after the drugs and alcohol. Sometimes you'll find a young lady like Jenna Jameson who her dad didn't give her any attention. She saw him looking at all the, the titty magazines, so she then went out and became a stripper and then became a porn star. And then literally became the best in her trade so that her dad would be proud of her sad but it's the reality so we see where the breakdown came see when I look at situations and I read people's stories it's very disheartening Craig writes it this way pornography replaces the warmth and lights of true human true human intimacy with the wildfire of self 
for sexual lust. Ask your kids if they've seen a field or a mountainside after a wildfire. Remind them how charred and blackless and lifeless it is. I know homeless people who've bonded out of jail. They have no belongings, but there's always a porn magazine, and this is men and women. It's sad, but it replaces that intimate, sexual, emotional connection that two loving people have that are married. We look at modesty isn't cool. Well, yeah, modesty is cool. Both of my girls are just rock-solid, gorgeous young things. Both of them have two different body builds. Both of them have two different personalities. Both of them are dancers. Both of them are, are peppy, but yet introverted at certain times. When they go out and find clothes, they are sweet-looking clothes. They look fine on them. The boys like them, but they don't show a bunch of stuff. They're modest in their dress. I remember sitting in Sunday school one year when we took over a teenage Sunday school class and the girls would come in with their shorts so short there was no way to cover up what they had or did not have on underneath. The teacher before us had set the kids in a circle and we cut that out and the girls sat in the front the boys sat in the back. We realized that wasn't going to work so we had the girls sat in the back the boys sat in the front. Then we said, we'll just bring some blankets in. If the girl's skirts are too short, go ahead and put the blankets on. Then I drafted a letter to the parents, mailed it out to them. And as I got to know the girls as moms, I started to see a similarity. As the moms would wear skirts to church that were way too short. Tight shirts with low cuts, letting their boobs hang out. And I understand some of them ladies spend a lot of money on their boobs, but that's supposed to be for their husband. So I started to realize somehow we had to try to teach about modesty. See, we already know that God says anything that stimulates is a sin. So the question you got to ask is, ladies, why are you trying to dress not modestly. Why are you letting your kids dress that way? If we know no means no and yes means yes, then why are you dressing in a way that says, yes, I want it? And we're not talking about modestly looking pretty. We're talking about looking too sexy. Looking, And I'm not here to tell you what is or what isn't. That's not it. But I believe that, as Craig says it, when you dress immodestly, it sends a clear sexual message, whether they intend it to or not. And that's the kicker. Normal isn't working. It's time to be weird. And this is a weird call today. This is a weird show because it's hitting on some subjects that we don't usually hit on. See, we are created to take a stand in our life. We're created to be different. If normal isn't working and we can see this in society, then why wouldn't you want to be a little weird? You need to start modeling the way for your kids. You need to start focusing on what's right. You need to lead your kids in a way 
that will allow them to be weird in a good way. Tomorrow, part five, values. We're getting back onto a subject that I think everybody can enjoy. Nobody more stepping on your toes. Folks, live life like it's an epic adventure. I'll see you at the top. Be back here tomorrow with me for RealMentorsRadio.com.